0: to Pallin' Around, the official Uppercut podcast. Here we'll be focusing on video games, fandom, pop culture, and how they all interact through the internet. For the first time ever, I'm your host, Jessica Cogswell. That's right, this is the first episode of Pallin' Around without Uppercut's editor-in-chief, Caitlin, here. Uh, And I have some pretty big shoes to fill, but I'm not filling them alone. Today I have 4 guests. First up is number 1 Majima Stand and the one who will stop Elon Musk, Uppercut's own Monty. <laughs> How are you, Phoebe?
1: Oh my god, I hate you so much.
2: <laughs> oh fuck, hello, that's me. Oh my god. <laughs> I
0: thought I thought you might like that. that one. That was
2: really good. I love you. <laughs> are you,
0: are you doing okay? Yeah. Doing well, I'm already crying. Okay. Okay, good. I'm sorry I always make you cry in podcasts. <laughs> uh, next up, she has bylines at Gamespot, Daily Dot, FanBite, Games Radar, a fuck ton of knives,
3: and waifus. Uh,
0: <laughs> one Ginny Wu is here with us. How are you, Ginny?
3: Oh my god, I'm gonna cry too. That was so sweet. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm I'm good. I just I just microwaved some coffee that I made this morning hours ago so that's um, no no put that back
0: (laughs) (laughs) no no monty this is what jenny and i bonded over while everybody else was away we talked about our microwave coffee no
3: so i'm i'm (laughs) vibing i'm vibing right now Hell hell yeah you are hell yeah you are
0: uh our next guest is the writer of one of my favorite pieces that Uppercut has ever published, coincidentally on the game world that we're gonna be talking about today. Uh she has bylines at SideQuest Zone and Vice and is a games critic to watch. Grace, how are you, Grace?
4: I'm doing great. That was so nice. <laughs> <laughs> we're all just crying just... in the chat right now. Everyone's yeah, <laughs> just, Everyone what just what pressing F
3: and is. just crying right now. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to hype y'all up.
4: Yeah.
3: And uh,
0: last but certainly not least, she has bylines at Vice, Paste, Polygon, and Giant Bomb. Uh, she is a founding editor of her own games journal, Capsule Crit, and has the loveliest name that rolls off your tongue, Dia Lucina. How are you doing, Dia?
5: I have bylines at by- Vice. That's <laughs> new to me. I thought I had bylines at Way- Waypoint.
0: Waypoint, yes. I didn't know. I didn't know if I should put Waypoint or Vice.
5: Look, it's Waypoint.
0: <laughs>
5: Until they massively fuck up, I'm like, no, nah, this shit's Waypoint. Fuck you, Vice.
0: That's that's fair. That's fair. I didn't. I, like I said, I was on the fence about it. I was like, I guess I'll put that, but it's it's Waypoint. You're right. So Waypoint. Um, how are you though, Dia?
1: I'm pretty good.
0: So today, myself and this all-star crew are going to be talking about the remake of one of the games that actually made me fall in love with gaming, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. The first thing that I want to say is I am thrilled that we have an all-woman panel for this because I have recorded a podcast about Final Fantasy VII Remake with 17 other people, not including this one now, and I have been the only woman on every podcast. Oh, shit. Uh, I made a very conscious effort to bring non-male critics onto the show and I'm very happy you all agreed to come on. <laughs> uh, next thing I'm going to say is uh, spoiler cast can be a bit all over the place. So I've tried to kind of outline some sections like to, I don't know, help guide us. But I know mm-hmm. that like with spoiler cast, it everything kind of intersects. So like I'm assuming that I'll kind of break past that. But ju- just trying to keep us kind of neat and tidy um and if you guys can think of anything i'm not including uh in these four sections let me know but what i have is uh narrative themes and messages uh characters and interactions gameplay and combat and art music and overall design does that seem pretty good that's pretty i love it -hmm. okay Sweet, because sometimes these spoiler casts last, like, three hours, and it's just no fucking good to anybody talking or listening. So, <laughs> Monty. Yes. You have not played the original Final Fantasy VII. No. How much are you comfortable with us talking about the original and what happens in it?
2: Um... So for context, I talked to think I talked about it before recording, like I played it as like a little immigrant girl who didn't know much English. So I was just kind of like rolling around doing nothing um, because the game's out for has been out for like 20 years. Um, everything's out there and I can't really hide from it. So you guys go ahead. It's it's all right. It's It's absolutely fine. Are you sure? Jess, it's fun. I want to <laughs> okay. know. You texted me all this shit this morning. I want to know. <laughs>
0: okay, okay.
5: I mean, Monty, if it makes you feel any better, the original local editors didn't know much English either. Uh, fuck yeah. yeah.
0: I feel it. <laughs> um, okay, so for those of you listening, then everything is on the table. We're going to talk about everything in remake, we're going to talk about the original. Uh, so if you don't want stuff to be spoiled for you, uh, don't listen. Play play the games and then come back. Uh, so the first thing that we're going to jump into then is narrative themes and messages of the game. And really, whoever kind of wants to start us off, whoever has something to say, uh, take the wheel.
5: Okay, I want to come out hard off the gate with something, because <laughs> this has been on my mind for like okay. the past several podcasts that I've had to listen to and all of the articles I've had to read about Final uh-huh. Fantasy VII Remake. And this comes off of the thing about Monty not having actually really played the original. Yes, You don't need to play the original to understand this game. And in fact, the only reason you would want to do that is if you really want to go hard in the concept of canon and breaking (laughs) canon... And if you want to do that, then you can't just play the original. You have to do the entire Final Fantasy VII compilation because all Square has done since the game was released, and I would argue even during the making of it, is completely break canon every single step of the way.
0: I do agree <laughs> with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh <laughs> <laughs> i mean even like the zach cloud story uh has been told what like three different times now like in three different ways as to how that went down like cause, yeah yeah like it's so i mean they it's gotten to be like it's like batman level at this point like i don't know maybe not quite as bad but there's there's a lot of different ways they kind of do the origin But it's interesting. Monty, would you say, like, when you finished the game, did you feel like you were missing things or did it feel complete in itself? Like you didn't need to play the original.
2: So I finished this game about three hours ago and (laughs) (laughs) um, before I started texting Jess, like, for contacts on stuff. I read it as just like, oh, this guy just like wants to win. Like he died before and is somehow back and is like trying to break fate. I didn't know about all the little holes and all the universes, all that stuff. And I feel like I could still play it without wanting to bounce through the original. Um, Obviously, I do want to now because I'm I'm really involved with the story and I really want to know more about it. But I think it's absolutely fine playing with, like, playing this remake without the original. There are some things that are, like, a little confusing, like the whole Whisper stuff. It's not really, like, fully explained um, and all that. But for now, I feel content because uh, there's going to be another game. It's not finished. You know, Sephiroth's not fucking dead. So,
0: <laughs> oh my God. that that bitch never dies no no
2: he's like that vine that's just like you can't kill me like that one um yeah. but i feel like i can play this game play the next one and maybe the third one that they make um without having to touch like the originals um but that's saying with just this one who knows how the second one's gonna be and the ones after
4: yeah why well, I, I feel like um some of these games. Is- doing which i don't know if it entirely works for me um but the game's interested in sort of the original game being sort of a sense of like trauma or history that the characters are like Mm -hmm. inevitably moving towards and then until you know they break fate and i feel like even though you don't necessarily know what the particular images mean knowing that this is like the first part of the series and like seeing the ending i think you get that sense right without having to know like exactly what happened in the last game
2: yeah i agree with grace i straight up thought like with the trauma part i thought like all these visions that uh cloud was having was just like straight up ptsd like i was like oh (laughs) Sephiroth's not really there he just needs to see a therapist like that
3: damn
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean cloud just regardless cloud needs to see a therapist but i think like pretty much everybody everybody does in that game um what
3: do you what do you think Yeah, for me it's interesting mainly because I I think perhaps a lot of my peers I think that reviewed the game maybe thought that we would be going into it getting like a one-for-one a one representation. So it would be like a, a, a rethinking or like a reskin, I suppose, of the plot of the original when really I think it was always meant to be a reimagining. And I think somewhere along the way they got really muddled within the discourse and it led to some really... I suppose heated gamer moments from people that were just like, oh, you know, this isn't like one for one, the original plot. Like, you know, and the people were just irrationally angry about, I think, the elements, the disparate elements that were being introduced as part of the narrative. But um, Hmm. as someone who played a lot of Final Fantasy XIV and does play a lot of Final Fantasy XIV and um, is really used to Square Enix being like, hey, you know what's funny, guys? Mirror worlds, am I right? Mirror worlds where people can change (laughs) destiny um when i saw that shit kind of crop up in the ff7 remake i was like you know what i actually felt more comfortable i've actually felt more confident in the game Mm. after i realized it was a mirror world because of how well they executed that concept in ff14's shadowbringers expansion so i was like you know what this actually makes more sense to me i'm happier with it now that it's kind of been portrayed as this this alternate universe to the original so uh i yeah i enjoyed that i enjoyed that bit very much
5: Jitty, since you brought in Final Fantasy XIV, what do you think the odds are that we're going to have crossover universes with other square properties and the upcoming remakes?
3: Honestly, <laughs> honestly fucking high. I think it's fucking high. Like let's be real. Like let it's, it's fucking high. Let's like let's just see how well shit like the the near crossover is done for FF14. Right? And like they have Dragon Quest crossovers all the fucking time, monster hunter was a huge crossover and it still is like i think that what square has done with ff7 remake has this i think left the door wide open enough to if not incorporate other franchises at least pay tribute in like huge easter egg form to a lot of them and i think that might actually be a selling point going forward for the game that it's now completely gone off the original ff7 rails it's now free to be its own beast in a way like it can be informed by the legacy of the original game, but it's very much, I think like on its own trail now. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I
0: actually felt the same sort of relief as Ginny. Um, <laughs> when I started playing final fantasy seven remake, I was like really unhappy.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like I hated it at the, at the very beginning I was playing this and I was like, this just the vi- it doesn't feel right. It doesn't, there was just something about playing it just didn't feel right to me. And I ended up looking up the spoilers for the end cuz I was like I I don't know if I want to keep playing this. Um I'm kind of down on it and I don't want to like play something that's just going to bring me down. Um but then I looked up the the ending and like for the first like couple minutes I was like pissed off. I was like this is stupid. Like why why are they doing this? Why why are they doing this whole multiverse thing? Like I I don't know how I feel about it. And then I like sat there for a little bit longer and I was like, OK, actually, that's kind of brilliant and it kind of works. And it's a way to make this game without like necessarily stepping on the original or, or like, oh, you know, saying like, oh, well, this is just that one, but prettier. You know what I mean? It's like a way of saying like, OK, no, we're not. It's not that game, but this is something that runs parallel to it. And I think mm. it's I think it was a good way of doing it.
5: I was just wondering if they, if we think they're going to attempt to, like, unify the timelines by the end of this. Because, like, I've seen, you know, some reports that they've said, like, the next installment is going to kind of closely follow the next steps of the game. And
0: yeah, that that's...
5: seems weird to me, but also I'm like, okay, I guess I get that, but...
0: Yeah, no, I read the same thing because I guess they came out, like, after this this game came out and there were people who were, like, upset that it wasn't an exact reimagining. They said, like, oh, well, all of the plot points are going to be the same. Like, all of the big, you know, beats of the game are going to be the same thing. It's just going to be a little bit different how you get there and, like, and and some of the consequences and stuff um, and, like, some of the world. And it kind of seems strange to me, too, because, like, the whole game ends with you kind of defying fate and um, the world being this kind of, like, unknown yeah. thing. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen next. And then it seems like they backtracked and were like, but actually, it's it's basically going to follow that.
5: Well, I think that's the weird thing is, like, you know, if I got to the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake and I was just kind of like, what was your thesis for this? Like, yeah. what 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 were we really doing here other than let's go through Midgar again and you know you kind of begin with this theme of kind of revolutionary violence and we get you know 9 was an inside job shit <laughs> and like just there are hints where revolutionary violence and like what that means and what it means to do revolutionary violence and who gets to do it, like actually becomes very kind of a central driving point. And then you get to the end and that's out the window. And now it's suddenly, okay, we have to punch God. All right, sure. I've, (laughs) I've watched enough shown in anime. I get it.
4: Yeah. I felt Mm -hmm. really similarly. I mean, I watched these cutscenes um, knowing so i guess i should preface i did not play the game directly um but i have watched a ton of it at this point um and i sort of felt similarly where it was like i almost this is gonna make because i think i like this i like this game a lot more than the game i'm about to compare it to but it kind of reminded me of bioshock infinite where it's like it brings up all this stuff and then sort Mm. of drops it in favor of like this kind of metaphysical like meta fictional thing that sort of wraps Mm. it up right? Um, oh, that's
0: actually like a really good comparison. Yeah. I didn't think about it, but now I'm like, oh shit, yeah. Yeah, and I,
4: I mean to be clear, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it is as bad as Infinite is. Um, but I do think it's, um, it's sort of, and the thing is, it's actually weird because I think Final Fantasy has been really concerned with questions about fate and questions about like what that means. Continue from like day one, like Final Fantasy One, is about people who are trapped by the circumstances of, like, time loops and, like, particular sort of, and, like, in the end, they create an alternate universe where, you know, anyway, so it's just, like, there's the whole thing with this in the series, and I don't, there's still, like, a conservatism to it, almost, even though it's sort of breaking free from what Final Fantasy VII was, it's still falling yeah. into or still following patterns that other Final Fantasy games have set in a certain way.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
5: No. We need to go back to four weirdos with rocks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you show up at the door. Uh, with I the rocks. I miss the old Crystal Final Fantasies. They're they're really good. Yeah, Final Fantasy
4: One <laughs> rules. Honestly, it's great.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't think I've actually played one. I I think the earliest I played is probably three. I don't. I haven't okay. played one or two.
5: Well, one is incredible, and you should play it. And. <laughs> You should probably play the, like, vaguely remastered one that, I don't know, if you have a Vita, get that yeah. one. But
1: I think I, think I played that do. one. I do. And it's a good one. Yeah, get
5: it on Vita, because it's really fun to just kind of chill out with your Vita and play Final <laughs> Fantasy One. <I. laughs> maybe maybe that'll be in my... It's four weirdos with rocks.
0: No, that sounds perfect. Just show
5: up into town. And suddenly they're legendary heroes and shit gets timey-wimey.
0: That's that's the uppercut story. Just four weirdos <laughs> with rocks. Four weirdos with rocks? Even though there's five of us. That's because it's because
5: it's, you start off as four weirdos with shitty rocks. Nice. And then your rocks um. get cool. <laughs> but like, yeah, I don't, I just, I don't. I never, I got to the end as I never really felt like there was kind of a grand sense of narrative stakes, or even that we were really setting up narrative stakes for the next game, beyond, Mm -hmm. okay, well, we get to the end of it, and it's like, oh, look, the future is open, and it's scary, okay, sure.
0: It's, honestly, it's one of those, like, based off of the interviews leading up to this and kind of the back and forth and like this is a reimagining and then you know Nomura kind of being like or is it (laughs) like you know at the end of everything like there was that it it was weird because it it was just really hard for people to kind of like know what was coming and it led to you know like what jenny said earlier like kind of that anger um i really feel like they should just stop talking about it (laughs) (laughs) because especially with like the the parts coming because like i said i mean one of the first things that they said after people started finishing the game was like ah yes but the plot's still basically going to be the same so like but the way it ends like you you wouldn't think that so it's like i i still i don't really know if i believe this whole thing about the plot's mostly the same or if i believe kind of the message at the end which is more in line with what it seems like the game was trying to do that the future is unknown
3: i think for me personally it's probably going to be like i think we're going to be able to view the original plot beats as part of the quote-unquote like unraveling of the mirror universe or some shit like i don't think we're gonna mm. actually i guess maybe get to play through them in a way that impacts the current timeline cloud mm. which is again a weird thing to say like i never thought i'd say the current timeline yeah, cloud. yeah. <laughs> like, you know what i mean like <laughs> But I definitely feel like we're, I think they're probably right in the sense that we're going to get to experience these familiar story beats. And I feel like you would really be doing your fan base a disservice if you just literally went, cool, enjoyed six hours of the original story. We're just going to throw the fucking rest out. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Original shit. I definitely
4: think the, the stakes are going to be the same. It's still going to be Sephiroth and Meteor and, you know, does humanity Mm. deserve to survive? You know, and Mm. like, what does life mean without humanity and, You know, how does the planet, like, continue Mm. to live without us? That's all going to be there, I think. Um, But there's sort of a, I think, question for me going forward. uh, about I think because there also could be a theme, I think, of people still falling into the same patterns, even though they're able to be free, right? Um, And I feel Mm. like that's sort of what it sets up with Aerith a little bit, who feels throughout this game, very resigned to die. Um, Yes, that's true.
0: So, Monty, I know you said you're open to all spoilers. Do Do you know what happens to Aerith in the games oh yeah i mean that's
2: like everywhere like in the fucking media like i see that that's why i'm not worried about spoilers because like it's a 20 year old game it's like getting
0: mad about lion king being spoiled (laughs) for you it's it's fine no worries okay okay sweet well okay the last podcast i did there was one person on it who didn't know and like everybody wanted to keep it a secret but i was like Like, by it ended up getting ruined like one person let it slip because
4: that's Like, the cast. first of like seven different plot twists <laughs> that happen in final fantasy seven that nobody talks about uh,
0: yeah um, yeah um but so so Aerith dies um in the original game um <clears throat> and i think it like it's one of those things to where i think it's it's going to kind of do what you said grace i think that everything <sighs> gosh what was the there's like a red 13 quote at the very end of the game um and he said something about like you know do you think about if defying destiny is our destiny um and like that's kind of almost what this feels like Is like even though they're kind of destroying what should have been things are still gonna like things still need to happen and i feel like there's going to reach this point where Cloud's like, OK, like, you know, that doesn't need to happen. Like, yeah. we can we can figure out this way around it. Um, and Aerith's going to be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'll go with it. I'll go with it because she knows that he's too stubborn to to listen to her. Um, and then she's going to sacrifice herself. And I think she's still going to die. I think she kind of I mean, even in the first game, you get this sense yeah, of yeah, like,
4: sure, she mm-hmm.
0: knowingly does this. Yeah, for sure. you know. Yeah, like, the, the way that she kind of smiles, you know, like, she she knowingly sacrifices herself. And I think it's going to be very much the same thing in this yeah. game. I wanted to
2: ask about Cloud's relationship with Shinra and, oh. like, the soldier stuff. Um, yeah. Because for me, like, playing the game, it's it's never told, like, why the fuck did he leave? Why did he want to leave? What's going on? Did it have to do mm-hmm. with Zack, with his buddy? But it's not really explained yeah. for me. You guys might know because <laughs> you guys... Played this in this parallel universe mm-hmm. that like i played it still hasn't told me but i want it spoiled for me because zach's kind of yeah. cute and i kind of want to know
4: Yeah, I'm this not. is kind of what my piece is about actually <laughs> that i wrote for uppercut is all about this stuff mm.
0: um yeah the uh the video that i sent you monty mm-hmm. that explains literally all of it <gasps> i that <laughs> i sent monty the uh, last order uh anime it's uh it explains kind of the Zack Sephiroth uh, Oh yeah. Cloud. Yeah, old triangle like a...
3: right there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like twenty five minutes long and it's it's the animation's mm-hmm. actually really cool and it just kind of explains um basically up until Zack dying and Cloud leaving. Mm,
2: okay. So. but Cloud was essentially a cop, but there's not like some like, you know, Captain America bucky no. shit later in the story where he like goes well, rogue and like Defies. Not everything.
0: in the original. Oh. Not in the original,
4: but no. Cloud's not a soldier. This is one of the big things is that he sort of took on Zack's identity after Sephiroth kills his whole village. Um out of like this deep insecurity that he yeah. wasn't able to save people. That was wild. That and So he kind of <laughs> takes on this other identity, right? And tries to like mimic him, but he's not a soldier. And that's hinted at in this game, like when um, they're in the Shinra mm-hmm. building. And there's like the random guard that that recognizes Cloud, right? It's like that's sort of hinting at mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. he was just a regular schmo. He was not soldier, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: Cloud. Cloud was never anything exceptional. He was very middling. He wasn't that great. Uh, Zach, on the other hand, was best friends with Sephiroth. Um, Zach and Sephiroth were top tier, um, mm-hmm. and and they were like the elite forces. Um, Cloud was there when his hometown was burnt but he remembers or he yeah he remembers himself as being basically zach um when he was actually just like a little grunt who was following them around he had his helmet on the whole time tifa never saw him there
3: Yeah.
0: Um, And so, like, when you play the original game, I think that the story of how uh, Nibelheim was burnt down is told three times. It's told uh, Cloud's perspective, and then it's told Sephiroth's perspective telling Cloud what happened. And then you finally hear the truth at the end. And so one of the really cool things about Final Fantasy VII, the original one, is most of the game you have, like, kind of an unreliable narrator. You have somebody who's dealing with a lot of PTSD and issues, and, like... Tifa the whole time is kind of just like I don't know about this, um, <laughs> but like that—that's the story that you get told, and it was—it's a—it's really cool,
2: neat, neat. Okay, cool. I wish they would kind of fit this sort of in this game because that would have cleared up a whole bunch. Yeah. But I guess that's that's to keep it kind of spicy. I don't know, but right. yeah, thank you guys. I, mean, I, I appreciate think, it. Yeah. yeah, I
4: do not think that you have to play Final Fantasy VII to enjoy this, but I do think that it feels like they expect a familiarity with it um Mm -hmm. that i wish Mm -hmm. they did not i wish they like gave gave a little more avenues for like background information or sort of Mm
0: -hmm. abilities to like Mm -hmm.
4: read these images that they show you know
0: i completely agree with that like i don't think you need to but there are so many moments where i'm like if you didn't know like that would be kind of weird like even when uh this the plate drops and you see (laughs) kate sith
4: i
3: mean
0: yeah that's
4: true (laughs) i think that's just kind of comical anyway (laughs) Yeah,
0: well, it was it was weird anyway. And then like I saw somebody tweet like, why the fuck was there a cat?
4: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's like (laughs) you wouldn't know.
0: Yeah, you you would have no idea. You'd be like, "Why? Like, why was there just that cat there during this tragic moment?" Yeah. So I
2: looked it up, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, the cat with the crown." I was wondering that too. But I also played that part at like 3 a.m. and thought it was just me, you know, having a moment. (laughs) (laughs)
3: You're like, I'm just hallucinating this. Like, no biggie. Like, it's fine.
0: Too much (laughs) microwave coffee. Yeah,
2: too
3: much (laughs) (laughs) microwave coffee.
0: Um, but yeah, no, it definitely expects you to have familiarity, even if it does, if you don't necessarily need to yeah. have it. Um, but yeah, if you, if you watch that last order thing, it kind of explains all of that. Cool. Um, thanks guys. And I'm, yeah. And if they, so if, if it starts in the same place that it would start, if it were following the original, uh, the next place that you're going to go to is like this little to- town called, uh, Calm. And that's the town where Cloud tells the yeah. story for the first time. So it might open up with Cloud telling everybody what happened.
1: Cool. Cool.
5: It's weird that's not in this game, though.
4: It, it,
1: it, it is yeah. weird. Yeah. It's, yeah,
5: Yeah, I think
4: you still feel so much that, like, seven-eighths of the narrative is not here. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I wish it was in this game. I wish you knew who Sephiroth was in this game. apart from being like I guess like a sexy cat boy that wants to figure out
3: (laughs) yeah he's a cat Boy, thank <laughs> you, It's the eyes for me. It's the eyes. It's like the he eyes. looks like he looks like a cat boy, and it's just the way that he kind of appears. Like you know how cats appear when like you don't really want them there, but they're like, I'm here for attention, and they just show no, up, yeah. and they're like, Hey, bitch, <laughs> no, pay me some fucking it attention. Was... And Cloud's like, Not again. I just fucking fed you, mate. And then someone's like, No, actually, I'm right back, bitch. Time for more liver. Let's go. Let's go. Like somebody, just, always please. Is,
1: uh...
0: I beg of you, please draw Cloud sleeping and. Kneading on
1: his
3: chest
0: yes <laughs> oh my
1: God. i'm
2: making
0: a poll right now is
2: sephiroth the cowboy.
3: yeah Severus is definitely a cat boy. Like it's just like the it's the way that he keeps his hair. I feel like you know he grooms himself constantly. Like oh. you just get that vibe. You what get shit that vibe. do you
2: use? I need to know what conditioner. Right. Oh,
3: he uses vanilla. He uses vanilla and rose hair products. I know <laughs> this. I looked this up. I looked this up because I'm working on an article where I do his hair care routine for a fortnight. So I looked this shit up. Okay, He uses vanilla and rose and like. He likes to have, apparently, 13 different natural scents and oils in his hair care products. <laughs> now, that is too bougie for me. I can't afford that shit. So I just went and bought some, like, Vanilla and Rose store-bought shit from the grocery store. I was like, this will be fine. But that's his routine. <laughs> oh, my
0: God. And his, the face routine is all lush.
3: Oh, all yeah. organic. It's, it's, it's got to be. It's like a 12-step routine, like, American Psycho's routine, but with only lush products. Like, that's what he's doing. Oh yeah, Sephiroth easily... is just, uh... Oh, go
4: ahead.
0: Patrick Bateman, uh, cat boy. Oh, yeah. no <laughs> <my
1: God.
4: laughs> I mean, I could easily imagine, like, some Shinra person, like, knocking on the door and being like, Sephiroth, we gotta go do the mission. He's like, wait, no, I gotta finish my, you know, I gotta do my eyebrows.
3: Yeah,
4: yeah. he's got, like,
3: three soldiers, like, blow-drying his hands. So yeah, like, exactly. What's that, like, microblading his fucking eyebrows or something? Like... <laughs> Sephiroth definitely does microblading. For
5: sure.
0: You know what I want is I want the spin-off game of Sephiroth uh at the honeybee inn <laughs> Oh my god. That's what I want. Because I feel I, I like they would that. vibe. Yeah, that's a vibe for sure. That's that's absolutely
3: a vibe. Um Oh God! What were we even talking about? <laughs> uh, we're talking about the the ending and like what mm. the stuff that leaves the stuff that it doesn't explain when it comes to like Sephiroth, Zack, and Cloud, like the the in, the integral male threesome of the entire series game.
5: So what I want to know is if if Zack comes back to life at the end because Cloud, mm. I guess, wishes him back to life. What does that mean for Cloud? Yeah, yeah. it means
0: that he'll end up with Tifa because Aerith gets her man back. <laughs> Oh, unless Aerith's dead. So <laughs> then no, Cod gets Zach.
5: A- Aerith always, like, even at the end of, like, Advent Children, Aerith is like, okay, peace out. I'm going to go back to the live stream and bang my jock boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Aerith,
3: Aerith and Zach are, uh... Yeah. She's got her priorities straight. She's like, this live stream should have here to, to get some dick. Like, I'm out. <laughs> peace. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I
0: don't know if they're going to make Zach come back or not. Um. I'm torn on that one because I almost could see, I could see them doing it and I don't know how I feel.
5: Well, he's definitely back alive, like Mm -hmm. in some regard, but if he has to come back alive in the past,
4: Mm. I think he
5: has to die for Cloud to become the Cloud that we all know.
4: Yeah. 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 Well, that's
5: what she doing, Nomura. (laughs)
4: yeah i wish it sort of because there's that line where erith is like this will change us too this is not Mm -hmm. just um you know like we're not just changing the circumstances around us we are changing ourselves right and Mm -hmm. i get that like part of the thing is you want to leave it open right you want the ending to be what is going to happen right but i kind of wish like yeah like i again like i don't know what they're doing with zach and cloud because that changes so much of what that relationship is and i think it could be really interesting but i wish they would have hinted at that a little bit more or at least given it like some kind of emotional payoff
5: final fantasy 7 remake 2 is just final fantasy 7 remake 1 but they insert Zack <laughs> instead of cloud
3: yeah oh, <laughs> and you just fuck. play it all I, again I... from Zack's perspective actually don't don't even wish that into existence because that sounds like some but, fuck shit that they might actually do but this
0: but this time they're gonna say It's actually it's only the first ten hours of uh, (laughs) (laughs) remake. They're just gonna do that and make it forty hours, but it's with Zach, and it's in first person, so you don't know who you're playing as till the very end. Oh (laughs) Oh, no,
3: no!
1: You you
5: look into a puddle. Never have like the balls to do that.
0: It'd be fucking hilarious, though. Um, I think what I'm kind of looking forward to, though, or I like, I don't know, what I'm interested in is uh, what they're setting up as far as later story stuff, with Wu-Tai. And uh, even with, like, I'm wondering if they're going to make it to where, like, the Vincent Hojo, like, all of that stuff is more... Like, you have to find out. It's not some side stuff that you can do. It's, like, it's something that's actually in the story.
3: Yeah, I I think that makes sense, considering how Mm -hmm. I think it would be a mistake to not capitalize on some of the most fuckable characters in existence in the Final Fantasy series. (laughs) So, all of them... (laughs) If you don't make Vincent, like, a compulsory plot point, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, let's mm. just be absolutely real here. Like, if I don't get to spend 20 hours with Vincent, I'm not gonna buy a fucking FF7 remake too. Like, fuck that shit, okay? <laughs> like, I I, des- I I deserve this, but I also feel like the, the stuff that gets interrogated in FF7 is is very much interrogated for the sake of them being able to be like, oh, you know, we mentioned this once, and so here's like a rap on the wrist for capitalism, here's a rap on the wrist for being an asshole to poor people, here's like a rap on the wrist for being an, you know, like it's like mm. I just feel like the way that they deal with the political stuff that I think made FF7 very, like, compelling for a lot of us growing up, or maybe even, like, formed how we view things like environmental activism and stuff, I think mm-hmm. they included that in FF7 Remake just to check a box, and it would be kind of I guess I think difficult for me to imagine a world whereby they don't just keep going with the most shallow representation option with the next part of the remake. Like, no offense, like it's there, but like they're absolutely gonna like have hot character moments TM being the priority as opposed to Mm -hmm. indulging in the deeper plot stuff. So I think that will that for one thing will guarantee that we get as much, I think, face time with these fuckable characters as possible and less about the stuff that maybe is more integral to Sephiroth's, like, philosophy and his antagonist philosophy. Because so far, we know pretty much actually about Sephiroth, right? Like, thanks to the remake. Yeah, we it's don't. It's like, there are, no, there are no motivations introduced. It's just his yeah, aesthetic. Exactly. It's his emo, brooding man aesthetic. And I don't think that remake is very interested in, in interrogating that any further, nor do I think it will with the second part of the remake. Like, I think when you have the whole, oh, like, the real villain here is destiny and fate, you kind of trivialize what Sephiroth stood for as an antagonist. And that's mm-hmm. one thing that I worry about with the upcoming remake in particular.
0: No, I completely agree. I was just waiting. I was waiting the whole fucking time for them to make like, like to get to the end and for them to make Barrett like a centrist
4: mm. and be no, like, oh I mean, yeah,
0: like, maybe what we were like what we were doing was bad. I was just sure fucking that does waiting for it. In
4: the original. There's a part in FF Seven where Barrett's like, oh, maybe we were doing the wrong thing, mm-hmm. like late in the game, um, mm-hmm. and it blows. Like, I don't think it's good that he says that i don't mm -mm. think it adds anything to that game um, but it is there
0: yeah yeah later yeah i mean it's it's on the airship or something isn't it i think i I, I remember him saying that yeah yeah
4: it's like one line towards the end so Mm -hmm. i don't feel like it has as much weight as that first like six hours of them just like killing people does you know yeah it's still there
2: yeah later when we go into characters because like as much as i am thirsty for a lot of characters in this game barrett is my favorite and i had hell yeah yes he yeah and i had a lot of thoughts on um on that scene in particular talking about grace but we can talk about when we like dive into characters and stuff later
0: um i guess then what so okay i have two more things i want to hit on and then we'll probably just move on to characters um yeah. and one of them kind of even merges with it so the first question what did everybody think about the pacing of the game
4: sucked it's terrible yeah
0: it's something uh,
3: uh yeah, way too much time spent with like Tifa and the original bit, way too much time spent like shepherding mm. Aerith around her own fucking hometown. Like mm. and <laughs> um not enough time with the with the other set pieces. And also too directed when it came to uh the um the exchange um and the whole like honeybee sequence. Like it was just I don't know, it felt like the game was really trying to give you a a variety of of locations from its very, very short chronological time period, but it didn't really give you it was such a directed exploration that I really hated it and it made the shitty pacing more obvious I feel, like being shepherded very, very clearly from one end of a town to another, or being like, Mm -hmm. oh you know, (laughs) if you don't finish the side quest you can never come back to it did you know that you should Mm -hmm. do the side quest and then you can never come back to it Like these really Mm -hmm. weird, very obvious I think, like in narrative cues just made the game world seem very closed and it made the shitty pacing stand out more to me because I felt like I was physically being shunted from narrative bit to narrative bit and I found that bit not very enjoyable.
5: Yeah, it's weird because like I I I I would want more, like give me more of like what life is in the slums and what Mm -hmm. life is in in the Walmart and things like that. But the way they did it just like it sucked. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I would like to spend, like, let me spend a couple hours wandering around, you know, the slums with, with Aerith and figuring out, like, where she lives and what her world is like. But it's so, the side quests aren't very interesting, they don't really add anything to the world, and it's fine if we want to slow down time there, but mm-hmm. then when we're having this sprint back to, like, you know sector Six, and like or you know we're like whenever we're having this sprint the game then still keeps throwing in these like slow down roadblocks where it's just like Mm -hmm. this is supposed to be a rush and we're taking just the same amount of like lackadaisical approach to it as we did when okay this is a time when we can wander around the slums and get to know things and you know Tifa is introducing Cloud to get her deadbeat boyfriend some jobs (laughs) (laughs) like the, yeah, the, the the pacing actually I feel like never really changes. It just they kind of fluctuate the stakes at times.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's very it's it's like it hits the brakes a lot mm-hmm. and momentum is just kind of killed. Um, mm-hmm. And I think one of the things going into before I started Remake, is I kept thinking like, ah, oh man, they're making like the Avalanche, yeah, Avalanche, what? <laughs> Avalanche team, like much bigger characters, and you're going to spend more time in the slums, it's going to hurt so much more when that plate drops. Like, and it's going to suck for everybody because everybody's going to fall in love with these characters. And like, to a certain extent, yes, but also I just feel kind of what Dia said, the side quests weren't like these heartfelt, like, get to know these people, get to know this place. It felt more just like, this is a side quest. Make sure you do it. You can't do it if you if you go forward.
5: No, and like it's weird because like a perfect example of this is so you get all these side quests in the first slums and like fine, sure, whatever, go find cats. But like you don't get more of Jesse until it's Jesse's mission, you know, Mm -hmm. into like topside the plate at the Shinra factory or warehouse. And then you get a lot about Jesse. And that's a really great section. Mm-hmm. where you actually kind of begin to like really understand Jesse and who Jesse is and what Jesse was motivated by and what she's actually interested or not actually interested. and that That's what the game needed more of. It didn't need go make deliveries for people or go kill an animal that's loose in the slums because, oh, look, see, sometimes monsters get loose in the slums because of Shinra. Meh. <laughs> Yeah,
4: I think the one time that stuff worked for me, and admittedly this was also watching it in, like, a truncated version of it, um, Mm. is after the plate falls, and you're sort of seeing this wide array of reactions and people sort of, like, dealing with this, you know, traumatic event that's happened, like, the citywide thing. And I think that, that moment where it chose to slow down still outstays its welcome, and, like, the fact that there's, like, a bunch of weird side quests in that section I don't think helps it. But I think that was, like, a mm-hmm. smart pacing choice. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, I wish Hojo's Lab... You could just cut that. That could, You could just leave that, and that doesn't... The game is completely the same, basically.
1: Mm.
0: I didn't mind that part. I thought it was... Because I, I thought the fighting was fine. I liked controlling Barrett and stuff. But I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't need to be there. Um, I do think, however getting to actually play as Aerith um, when she goes to get Marlene um, and kind of and bumps into a song and stuff like that. I think that that was a good addition. Yeah, yeah I agree. I I really did like that. Um, and then, so the second thing that I, was, I wanted us to talk about was actually what Dia started talking about, which was the Jesse uh, chapter. And because I think that we talked a little bit about how I guess Ginny, you said it touches on things like class and capitalism and then kind of backs away. And I think that the Jesse chapter was one of the best ways that they talked about class in a not necessarily this very explicit way. It also helped us get to know a character that was originally just, you know, kind of like this little side character in the first one. Um and it was a really good moment in the game for me. Um what did what did everybody else think about that?
2: Um, I liked it a lot. And it's something, again, tracking to what Dia said and also what you just said, Jess having these stories of these side characters that you see and interact with um especially like you're going to like death missions with um was really really mm-hmm. nice and i wish there was more of that um i'm a person with any game who doesn't really play side quests until the end of the game anyway
1: mm-hmm.
2: so that wasn't really an issue of me for like pacing and stuff cuz i i did i think a couple of missions in the sector and i just like couldn't do it i was like these these are boring i'm not i did too and that was that but i wish we saw more of wedge and like what his life was like and also more of biggs and what his life was like and like thank god mm. for the ending because i like screamed but <laughs> I, I i don't know why they didn't delve into that they didn't push more for like story because i feel like with this remake again i'm not like original uh fan or whatever i whatever gamers like to call it i don't fucking know <laughs> i I don't understand why they didn't dive into those stories more because I feel like everyone would have liked it, which is really confusing to me because Jesse's story was so cool. And I was like, okay, so yeah. what the fuck's Big Story? There's like touchings upon Biggs that like works with the orphanage and then like Wedge who's just really into animals. Like, I, I don't, <laughs> like what? I need more of that. I, I, I don't know. No. I, I wish yeah. there was more. I wish there was more.
4: I think that's sort of the thing. And I think this is... um the advantage of this game is the character writing, generally speaking, mm-hmm. um, is really strong, I think, throughout. Mm-hmm. And it helps also a lot that the localization of the original 7 is is rough. Um, mm. And so you get, I think, really, like, versions of these characters that feel articulate and fleshed out in a way that they never have. And because also the camera can be intimate in a way that it can't be in 7, in the original 7, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. And that's the thing. That's something I actually like about the original 7. I like that it's distant, I like that it's sort of, like, it always is situating characters in its environments. And I think that's something that thematically is missing from this. And I think um kind of degrounds its politics, like Ginny was talking about. But I think this there's so many strong moments that come from being able to see and hear a character, like, go through something and being able to, like, express that more. And, mm-hmm. yeah, like, I wish those moments, the side quests and stuff, did more fleshing out like that, mm-hmm. right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with the camera. Like, it, it's... <sighs> It's definitely a more intimate experience and it's a more human experience, but it it does sacrifice definitely kind of the the theme of the game to do that um like and that the pre-rendered backgrounds and the way that like those were always like such a a focus you know what i mean like the camera was zoomed out you got to see these beautiful environments and you got to see like the the not beautiful environments you know and like that was Mm -hmm. it was kind of storytelling in in and of itself um and you don't really have that i I wish that
4: yeah you
0: did have that more um and you had kind of the the wider camera but
4: yeah it it feels, like, a lot of the game world um, feels like an Uncharted game or a Marvel movie to me. Mm-hmm, um, interesting. Which is bad, in my you know, in my opinion, right? It feels sort of loose and detached from history. Um, but I think for that, it does gain, I think, a lot of really great character work. Um, you know, like, I think uh, there's obviously, like, a lot of um, bad stuff about the way Barrett is depicted in this game. But the moments where he's sort of allowed to, like, dig in and talk about his politics i think are some of the most affecting moments in the game
0: i completely agree like oh there, are like one of my favorite moments was uh walking back from the from the sector dropping and uh him saying like just tell me that marlene's all right you know even if she's not just tell me um you know i'm not gonna blame you for it and he's like i eh, know i'd probably still i'd still hate you anyway yeah I it was such cowls. a good moment
4: <laughs> yeah it's such a great beat for him i think
0: and um it was th- so this scene was different depending upon who you had the closest relationship with i guess but uh the scene i i had it with tifa um mm-hmm, outside same. Aerith's house at night yeah
4: oh yeah that's the one i saw too
0: yeah did you did you have that one dia and monty the tifa cloud scene yes yes damn okay that <laughs> so there was one with Aerith and there's one with barrett also um Aerith i think it was just like a vision type thing though but i think tifa everybody says is the one that was the most emotional and that scene that was when i was like okay i love this (laughs) like uh i needed that it was so cathartic because like you know one of the things in the original is it's like all tifa and cloud have from their former life is each other you know Mm -hmm. like they're pretty much alone and tifa (laughs) tifa deals with that a lot better than cloud does and tifa has like this kind of found family you know like just this gravitation towards that um and looks for that in in people and in in sector seven and in starting her own bar um whereas cloud kind of takes it and goes the complete other direction and becomes very isolated um and but it was just so nice to kind of see that moment of them i don't know just like processing pain together Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. loved it. Anyway, I'm gonna officially call this and say this is like us talking about characters' interactions because that's basically what we're doing now. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what were your guys' favorite interactions in the game? Or or even favorite character moments? Um,
2: well, my favorite character. I feel like I'm in class and like you have to stand up and like say something about
3: yourself. <laughs> it was actually Sephiroth,
2: the yeah, sexiest yeah. cat boy in the game. <laughs> um so, um, all the characters I really liked, and I think that's something that like I texted uh just a lot throughout me playing this game. Like I think I've said every like anything <laughs> about every fucking character in this video game. But Barrett is my favorite character, and I think my interactions with it, it's it's kind of a funky thing. I'm like projecting and all that like fun stuff, but I think my interactions with um Barrett to Cloud and kind of like. You see it in Barrett where he'll, like, give him a tough time because Cloud is essentially kind of, like, you know, poopy at times, but he has his reasons. (laughs) But he'll give Cloud that love, whether it's saying something funny, Mm -hmm. saying something like, hey, I think things are going to be okay. It might not come off as, like, oh, fatherly type, but it's just, like, giving Cloud that sort of closeness. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can also see it, like, with the help of stuff now, like, you can see it in Cloud's Eyes that does, like, give him comfort. And I think those are my favorite interactions where it's just, like, you know, Barrett's fucking sick. He knows what's going on. He's just, he's good at hiding it. Mm. Those are my favorite interactions.
0: I agree. Like, one of my favorite moments um and it was such such a small thing it wasn't even like a cutscene. it was just like some some dialogue while you're walking around uh is in the ward i don't remember it's it's when you're barrett and cloud in one of the wards when you're doing that whole thing towards the end like what's it called like the shell or something like that Mm -hmm. hojo's lab area but uh you're walking and like barrett says something like you know wedge really looks up to you like he he thinks you're really great or whatever and cloud just like oh you know and barrett's like he's not the only one you know just Mm -hmm. like this little kind of subtle thing and cloud is just like oh you know, it's it's just this little moment, but it's it's so sweet, and it's just it's kind of you know, Barrett just being like chin up, like you have people who like you, yeah. And
2: it's very it's very it's in a very like just dudes being guys kind of way,
5: yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just weird two
0: dudes uh, chilling in a hot tub, five feet apart because
1: they're not yeah. gay.
5: <laughs> like it's weird that Barrett really is the emotional core mm-hmm. of this remake. <clears throat> And that he's just so horribly, horribly handled.
2: Who was yeah. the emotional core in the original,
0: if I can ask? I think. Well, it's hard because I feel like the emotions are second to to maybe kind of the overall themes. And like this, this one definitely feels like a more intimate, personal experience. Yeah, um, I agree. But it's weird because Cloud, even though he's the protagonist, he never really feels. He's not, like, the everyman. Um, I feel like Barrett in both is kind of more of the everyman and somebody who you can see yourself in. Because, like, he really just – he just gives a shit. (laughs) Like, he he cares. And, like, he cares about his daughter. He just wants her to grow up and have a happy life. He cares about his friends. He cares about the planet. Like, he's – I'd say he's always kind of that emotional core. But maybe in the original, I almost want to say Tifa Mm -hmm. might be more – that that might be what I would lean towards, because Tifa kind of feels like home in the first one, and even kind of in the second one, too. But yeah, sure. she just kind of seems like that tie that brings Cloud back down.
5: Yeah, in a way, Tifa really is the ligature of the, the first game. Um, everything kind of gets routed through Tifa. Mm-hmm. Um, even, like, like Cloud's yeah, trauma, sure. it mm-hmm. goes back through Tifa. Um
0: I mean, Same. it reaches, like, in the first game, uh, there's a point where, like, you're literally, it's Tifa and Cloud in this sort of, like, subconscious, like, space that's all green with floaty rocks. And it's literally Tifa. It's, ah, it's so good. But it, it's, it's <laughs> so literally <good>. Cloud. <laughs>
1: Sorry.
0: Cloud is like, oh, yeah, and then this happened. And he's, he's going through these memories. And Tifa's there. And Tifa's like, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. And how about like didn't didn't this happen instead? And like she's the one who kind of like undoes the knots in Cloud's brain. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even when, when Cloud because at a at a certain point in the original game, Cloud is no longer the party leader. Cloud it has a mental break. Um and so Cloud is gone. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's like in a wheelchair in, in some town. I totally forget what the town's called. Um but like that's where he is for a while. And Tifa is is the game's protagonist. Um, she's the one who's in charge. And so, so to me, I guess I would always see in the first one, Tifa as kind of like the core leader or, or, I don't know, emotional support beam, I don't whatever you want to call her.
2: Yeah, I, I, uh, following with Grace's saying, I know everyone says that like, Barrett's really bad, Barrett's not like written well or like handled well. I know with the original, people said there was like some really awful issues with like race and like stuff but in this one like i i see some issues but not like enough for me to be very angry mm, okay. so I, what do you- I, i'd like to hear like your guys's thoughts because i hear a lot but like i i don't understand and that's maybe because i don't know
0: yeah i guess dia did you want to kind of explain that or, or your thoughts and feelings on it
5: i mean i, I mean what okay they gave barrett straight hair his hair yeah, is straight. I mean, his body yeah. hair is straight, even. Oh it's, yeah, it's, it's just absurd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, let <laughs> Barrett have a high top fade. <laughs>
1: um,
5: but like, <laughs> they do a lot. Like, his voice acting direction is fraught at the very least. Like, it is the mm-hmm. pulling on every single black exploitation trope.
4: Mm-hmm. In terms
5: of vocal performance that it could possibly mm-hmm. um and then they really do kind of sell him like, yes, he gets these great moments where he gets to be Mr you know revolutionary violence and then like but then and like you know he gets to be a good dad and things like that, but they also oh. make him like kind of the you know comic relief where he's like really kind of dopey mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like really just sort of like. Performatively goofy for no reason, and mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, then there's the thing about making Garrett Barrett the tank, and like very clearly making him the tank. Where you know, uh, in 2020, it's a little bit difficult having you know the large black body being the right. yeah, the, the sponge for violence, that's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. just kind yeah. of like a
4: little weird. Well, I think there's a no, lot of like,
5: valid. it's just you know,
4: um, stuff with that.
5: Like, there's just like, there's so much that's really well done here, and it's just a shame that it's just like, if you had just like, just thought a little bit harder about this, then you really could have had like yeah. a standout character that like we could all rally behind and be like, yeah, this is how you do it. Yeah, no,
4: I think that's well. This is something that frustrates me about barrett I think both in the original and in this is how much interesting and like really like we haven't even gotten to like barrett's backstory and like which he kind of hints at in this game only a little bit that's really compelling and powerful mm-hmm. stuff some of my favorite stuff in the original game but it yeah but like this sort of the way he gets sort of treated yeah as as the said dopey or silly i think really sort of undercuts him in a few key moments and it feels yeah it feels cheap in a way that is i mean yeah like it's It's racist, and it's really frustrating, I think. No, um, that that
2: clears up a lot now. I I totally understand now. Thank you, both of you. Yeah,
4: Yeah,
0: and, like, it's, it's hard because I feel like he's somebody that... I don't know. He's somebody that I feel like we can stand behind, but also definitely...
3: Deserves to be picked apart for for some of the ways that he's depicted. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's just interesting that like I, I think we use mm-hmm. it emotional core of the game. I think I interpret it slightly differently. I think for me, I feel like uh, I felt like the original games almost did Aerith a disservice. Um, I I don't know if you've read, but I'm gonna plug this piece now by Natalie Flores. Who wrote about Aerith, um, and her depiction, and and just I think sort of what what it means to to experience and to appreciate uh, a character whose I suppose tragic story or anything you already know, and, and I feel like in the original game Aerith is the emotional impetus, and she's almost used and abused by the narrative, um, and kind of mm-hmm. cheapened in a way, but I always found her to be the emotional core of the game for me just because even when I was being at a young age it just felt so manifestly unfair that 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 was her role her preordained role in the game and when I came into playing the remake itself I admittedly I think fell in love with Aerith a little bit more um when at first I used to I think my reaction when I was younger was oh like you know this game didn't give this character like the time of day and I had a lot of discourse I think growing up around Aerith is like a, a almost like a Mary Sue type character because I was very misguided um, and also not really, not thinking very critically. But I think that what the remake has done uh, very effectively is, is give Aerith uh, a purpose that feels more like her own. She feels less like a tool, and I know that she's resigned to her fate and she acts in that way. And she's still animated in a way that makes the viewer go, "Oh, like she knows something more. Like something is gonna happen." She's still got that self-sacrificial nature, but I feel like what Remake has done is is, is really, I think, make it more believable for Aerith's, for uh, I suppose, uh, potential passing or actions to be the emotional hook of the game the way that it originally was designed. So, um...
5: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, definitely, I think, because like, you're right, like, in the original, Aerith really is... She's the objective correlative, yeah. which like i mean she's the object around which the story is encapsulated like literally just you know she becomes the beam of energy that literally saves the world Mm -hmm. like mm, yeah i mean
0: she's basically she wears the holy materia in her hair like on her person and basically that is her she is like she's kind of represent like a representation of like of that you know um so yeah i agree she she feels a lot more human and a lot less um t- the the innocence and the and like i don't know less of like a I guess a concept and more of a person because she felt like the innocence that had to die in order for cloud to have the motivation to move forward and like into care yeah um yeah exactly you know and and one of like god and this makes this line always makes me sob like a baby um in the original game uh whenever she's killed uh cloud just kind of holds her and he's like you know i'll never get to see her smile again i'll never hear her voice like i don't care about the planet i don't care about what you're doing like you killed her um and now, like, if slash when that happens, like, you actually, you have this girl who, who is with you and who you heard laugh and make these, like, silly jokes and, like, the silly high fives and, you know, all of this stuff. And I think it's going to hurt a lot more. Yeah,
3: for sure.
5: Though so they really did give her the extremely strong white girl energy in this one.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> they totally did.
5: Like, uh. no. Just the sequence where she's just like, "I love the people here and their lives and their tragedies." Live like the people of yeah. the slums and it's just like, yeah. That was oh, a really
3: weird, weird moment. You're I that think. white
0: girl. <laughs> she has a little bit of the white missionary vibe for sure. <laughs> like I, I think
5: I called her as like I was like, uh, Erith is the girl who um, changes her major to." Um, masters of social work because she really wants to help people but then she washes out because she can't deal with the sketchy parts of town that they send her to for her practicals
3: oh dear oh dear damn damn red Uh, for filth dragged (laughs) hit it here first number dragged man you've been dragged
0: (laughs) um i guess since we've talked a bit about the main (laughs) party um I want to I wanna talk about, I don't know, do we want to talk about the baddies, or kind of more of the supporting people?
3: I mean, like, the baddies are just, just straight up, just, just gay and sexy. That's just it. That's really <laughs> just it. They're all, they're all just gay and sexy. Like, I can't, I literally dare you if I don't even care if you're straight and you're listening to this. Like, if you literally just look at any of the interactions between the baddies and Cloudy, you just go... If in your mind, you're like, you know what? Everyone in this game is a fucking heterosexual. Just go get your brain (laughs) checked or something. Like, I'm really sorry, but, like, there's just so much... even...
5: Even President Shinra is gay. Yeah, like... (laughs) (laughs)
3: absolutely. Listen, there's there's just... There's just so much inherent tension. And this is not even me joking anymore, but I just feel like the intense tension that you create between the turks and cloud is probably why those sections of the is probably why i found those sections of the game so fucking compelling like what mm-hmm. is the deal with rush right like what the fuck was up with that there was no reason you didn't need that like that the, you, you could have very easily supplanted a motorcycle vehicle sequence without rush being down up to three thousand percent Right? Like, you could have very easily mechanically accomplished what that section was meant to accomplish and still have these, like, I guess, pulls and still have the whole, like, oh, I'm team-building with Avalanche type sequence without the 3,000% extra energy of Roche. That was completely <laughs> unnecessary. That was a choice to put someone like Roche in there to write that character. Is Roche like, in
0: the original? No. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, he is?
4: Yeah. Oh, is. oh wait, no, not. Nah, I'm thinking of yeah, Roche. Nah, is nah. Not. Yeah, not. Never mind. Yeah. He's not Yeah, is new. new.
0: He's, He's new. okay.
3: Okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. See? No, I agree with
2: Jenny. They just <laughs> needed a plus. The
4: whole Jesse section is there. not
3: Yeah. Oh my god. Like it's just it was just so compelling and also like obviously when when Cloud does his whole like crashing through a her- you know, cathedral ceiling thing. And he's are like, Where am I? And Reno's like, I'm here, baby. What do you want? Like, you know, it's just this, mm. the energy that is, the <laughs> energy that's the close ups. Yeah, like the close ups on everyone. First of all, why is everyone wearing deep V's, super deep V's all the time? <laughs> Riddle me that, okay? Why is everyone talking about riding or like pushing it to the limit? Like, what is, what the fuck is happening here? Like, this is very, very deliberate. Like, it's got to be deliberate. There is no way that you are creating a whole new character like Roche, giving him all that fucking screen time and being, like, trying to push the limit or, like, you're my only opponent. Like, all these anime, animes, enemies to lovers type dialogue is compelling for a fucking reason. Like, it's creating character tension and character tension whether or not it's fucking gay subtext or not, I think that is where FF7R shined the most for me, and it was in having these baddies clash up against the good guys in the main party that made the game the most compelling. Yeah. Well it's like even even
0: at cool. the end with Sephiroth like writhe for me. Yeah like, stuff like that, like I wanna see you beg.
3: Like yep. all of these things. Yeah. It's just like holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yo, it's like, are you really alone here, dude? It's like, come on, like save that shit, you know?
0: The the kitty just wants to be fed. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no,
1: no. no. So... no.
4: <laughs> 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 I did just look up, you know, on Google, and I think his um he has like two more buttons unbuttoned in mm. remake as opposed to adventure. Yeah, children, so like mm-hmm. that's a
3: deep V, baby. That is the deepest VFC yeah, in my really fucking is. life.
0: I was shocked by how they did Reno, <laughs> to be honest. Um, because, okay, in Advent Children, Reno becomes, like, a goofball. He's, mm-hmm. he's, like, stupid. He's not taken seriously. Like, at one point, he, like, tries to fight Cloud, and Cloud, like, locks him out of a building. And he's like, hey, I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, he, he's such a goofball. And so I kind of imagined since Nomura worked on that, I was like, oh, like, Reno's probably going to be more of a goofy character. And he's, like, fucking feral in this game. He's hot. Like, <laughs> no i like them i like what they did but i was not expecting it yeah it all. is it
3: is a big tonal 180 but i feel like the the way that they ramped those up and i guess we can also at some point segue this into the supporting cast but everyone feels for mm. lack of a better word edgier like mm. everyone they just dialed the edge up on a lot of the original characters <laughs> and and to be honest yeah. that was enough to make it i think feel like a fresh cut of pain. yeah mm-hmm
5: that's well, think like it's funny nah. like, you know think about like, like Jesse and how you know the the standard read on Jesse now is that she is just so fucking thirsty for cloud um which i I disagree with, but um <laughs> like yeah, they really have just turned kind of everyone up, which you know of course that means that Wedge is now just exclusively an ambulatory fat joke mm. um and and biggs is. What why is Biggs? Ah, oh, god, I can't remember the voice actor who does him, but just Biggs. Just like Biggs is just so trying to be horny. It's, it cracks me up every time.
2: Is Biggs <laughs> a virgin? Is Biggs a virgin?
3: Oh <laughs> yeah, that's Monty's entire takeaway.
5: <laughs> no, you know, you, make Monty, that Monty's make that poll, zone. Monty. Is Biggs, yeah, a virgin? is
3: Biggs a virgin?
0: Monty, please make that poll. I'm begging <laughs> <Dugget laughs> you.
5: Biggs is definitely the dude who is constantly talking about Saxon and has never actually. Had
3: oh sex. yeah. Yeah.
0: Biggs has a Canadian girlfriend.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, my oh my online god. girlfriend.
0: Yeah. You
3: wouldn't know her, she doesn't go to the school. Like,
0: my oops. my online girlfriend from Junin. Oh god. <laughs> my
1: god.
0: Fuck. Um oh god. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, I guess, I guess, yeah, in turning up uh I don't know the existing personalities. You do get something a little bit more tropey, I guess. Can yeah. I
2: say something?
0: Yes,
3: of course, of course. Thank you.
2: Um, so <laughs> I wanted to talk about Reeves for a second. I thought he was an interesting character from playing. I think what this morning. Um, you don't see much of Reeves in this uh game. I mean, I I wish I saw more of Song because I really like his. Uh, like, his character design and, like, also the other uh people in Shinra. But Reeves, he, he had, like, noticeable hesitation in, like, the big meeting towards the end of the game. Monty, yeah. you're catching
0: on to things that are going to be important later. <gasps> Look at
2: you me. Are. Look at me go.
0: You are. At- it's the second you said, like, you were talking about Reeve, I was like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah,
2: so... Did you guys notice any other hesitations like the? I know Grace or Dia. Um, you guys talked about like, uh, I think it was Grace. It was like Barrett's uh fucking centrism with like the mm, Are we doing something wrong here? Did you guys notice any other like hesitations that I might have? I'm I'm asking for myself
0: in selfish reasons just in case I missed anything. God, I'm trying to think if there were any like characters who. I mean, I think that Tifa kind of acted as like a middle party too, you know. She wants to keep kind of her her home safe. Like I said, Tifa is all about found found family. Like that's kind of her big thing. Um, and home. Mm. Uh, Tifa's a Taurus. Oh my god! Uh, I hate you. That's that's my. Sorry. I know that's my what, what does joke. that
3: mean exactly? Explain <laughs> it for people that aren't <laughs> no. super into astrology. <laughs> I want, oh
0: no! Tauruses are just known as like. Oh god! This is totally off topic. They're just known as being kind of like the homebody, like okay, protective. Types. I'm looking
2: up who's a cancer in Final Fantasy Seven. <laughs>
0: oh, uh this is a whole other podcast. Gotta get Kayla on here for this shit. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know, she kind of acts as like that that hesitant person a lot of the time. Um I mean I guess Reno and Rude um they kind of like mo- mostly rude rude is like so why did we do that and song is like well if we didn't they just would have hired somebody else who did and rude's like well are we okay with that and then you know song's like okay think about it as we're just you know evening it like evening whatever like the live stream out or some shit like that like you know the people come people have to go type thing and rude is like do you believe that and song's like does it really matter um, Song is kind of a little bit more like steadfast in what they're doing, but Rude and Reno definitely question shit sometimes. Mostly Rude. Rude's kind of the softie. I wish Rude was openly ethnic. Uh, What's shitty is Rude literally gets lighter each time they make something related to Final Fantasy. That's up. Fucked uh, up.
5: Mm. No, he's just it Worldwide. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs>
3: oh, oh no no we're not i'm not having this discussion again i know rude
5: god. 305
3: god no please oh well even as like shinra's like postal code like, what are you like?
5: <laughs> well now we know what its area code is oh, god. <laughs> oh.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you though. Like, Rude definitely in the first game is much darker. In Advent Children, he's a little bit lighter, but still darker. And then in this game, he is very light. <laughs> but I really, the Turks are actually like one of my favorite things about Final Fantasy VII. I don't know why. I just really love them. They're your um babies they're they're my babies I, th- I think they're so cool i love maybe that's it they're just cool <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah you're like the Turks are are cool. they engage in large-scale cool. acts of violence but they are incredibly yeah. cool and yeah. they are also but incredibly they... well-dressed so.
5: look everyone loves a sexy cia <laughs> oh
1: <laughs>
3: yeah
0: exactly <laughs> this is that's my problematic thing is i like cop animes in the <laughs> oh
3: my god <laughs> <laughs> oh my god no, no. yeah you know i take it back i was like you know this mr worldwide thing maybe the worst podcast. <laughs> and then jess is like i like cops i'm like oh Woo-hoo! only <laughs> only anime cops though, only-, only psychopaths <laughs> oh
1: <my> god
0: <laughs> so okay this is gonna be What's funny is like sometimes I think about like natural segues and then I call it out. I'm like, this is gonna be a segue, and that totally eliminates any of like the natural thing. But
1: that's, <laughs> that's,
0: that's what's happening. Um, I want to. We're gonna go into combat and gameplay, and the way I'm gonna do that is talking about the Turks um, because the Turks and and Rufus Shinra. Those are like you have those individual one-on-one fights with them and with Sephiroth. Um, I guess. Uh, well actually no you don't only for a little bit and then people jump in um and at the very end it's just a cutscene. you don't actually fight them by yourself mm-hmm. um but so rufus and the turks are like the real standout solo fights and my favorite fights in the game were actually those solo fights i loved fighting reno i thought it was so fun yeah that's because he's and rufus sexy, too just that's true. I just love I just love him. He's just sexy. He's also he's also kind of a cat boy. Not as much as Sephiroth, but a little bit. Yeah, he is. But I don't know. What did, what did y'all think about the combat?
3: I loved it, even though I bounced off decently hard on Final Fantasy 15's combat. And again I had to kinda of ask myself whether or not it was partially nostalgia talking and me being like, oh, cool, like, my favorite characters, but, like, a cool new battle system, yay! Like, um, so I I don't know my opinion, I suppose, is, like, a quote-unquote, like, objective one or as objective as you can get about, like, mechanical combat in a fucking video game. But, Mm -hmm. um, I thought that FF7's combat was fine difficulty-wise. It was not anything spectacular. I thought the summons were hilarious and adorable, but um and the fights were enjoyable like Jess said like the fights with the Turks some of my favorite parts of the whole game but I don't think I ever had like a moment where I was like wow like damn that shit slaps like you know I think I was like Mm -hmm. oh this is good like I'm enjoying myself and oh that's a really cool move or like oh that dodge arena like fucking sick mate but like I never was like wow I had to put Mm -hmm. my control down and be like damn this is really fucking captivating shit
0: um yeah yeah
3: yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I did really like the Hell House fight. Uh, I, I did play I did play this again on hard uh, just a little bit afterwards just because I was like, yeah, like I want to be a hardcore gamer. and Maybe men will stop disrespecting <laughs> me in the comments of my reviews. So I'm going to play this game on hard. <laughs> um, men did not stop they never disrespecting will. me. No. Spoiler, they're still doing it. It's fine. Um, but um, I did play up to Hell House on hard and I thought the Hell House fight on hard was a great experience, but like chaotic. And I think for me, that sums up what I enjoy the most about FF7 Remake's combat is the times when it feels chaotic, but you have all the right tools to deal with it. Like, everything's Mm -hmm. visually flashy, stuff is going completely everywhere, Reno is backflipping 25 million times and calling you a little bitch, like, but you have the tools (laughs) to deal with that. And I like that FF7 Remake empowers you to deal with that chaos in a meaningful way. And that's what I like about it. Messy moments that you can solve, like messy little combat puzzles. I like those.
4: Mm. I have a thematic question for y'all. Um, because I am ma- one of the few maybe defenders of the turn-based combat in Final Fantasy VII. Um, but something I actually really like about it is the emphasis on materia and how the characters' builds get structured out of this like very material thing. I think it emphasizes the way the characters are connected to the planet, to Earth, right, in a very literal way. And the game expounds upon that like in a narrative sense, but I think it's also there just in the mechanics, right? And it the that mechanic is still here in uh, remake, but I'm curious if that came through for y'all uh in this version of it
5: so i think for me um i i really didn't like um i shouldn't say that i found the combat incredibly shallow mm. um and it got to the point by the time i got to like halfway through shinra tower i was just like i'm setting this to easy because i don't care anymore right,
1: um, right,
5: right. translating over the um kind of elemental weaknesses to you know which has been a staple of you know final fantasy is, is and, and really just jrpgs it's all been about elemental weaknesses and status effects and that's kind of been the historical tradition. Um, I don't think it really translated well over to the stagger system because even on normal 90% of the time, I didn't care. I didn't need to worry about it. Like Barrett had, you know, like, you know, fire on and we were fighting a bomb. It didn't matter. The bomb was going to go down in five seconds anyway, because I was just going to unload on it. Um, hmm. So I never like my materia. I just kind of, loaded everyone up with hp plus and mp plus and then you know just like the basic everyone was really loaded with purples in my party because i was just like just gonna bump your basic combat skills because this is all i need and so like i felt the the materia wasn't really that important in this one um yeah
0: interesting i actually felt the opposite materia felt more important to me in this one than the original because it seemed like it relied more on finding elemental weaknesses and exploiting them to make battles faster
5: well maybe you just need to put the, the baseball bat on cloud and
1: <laughs> <Just go to laughs> so <fun hard>. <laughs> what
0: what did y'all what did y'all think of the weapon upgrades did you like that kind of I feel like, for me, I thought the weapon upgrades, like, while the menu for it was kind of stupid. <laughs> um, I actually did like the idea of upgrading weapons because it made them feel like they had more of a unique fighting style. Um, and you could kind of tailor how you wanted to play them. So I, I did like that.
5: I don't think it went far enough. Um, I guess it's kind of mm-hmm. like my whole thing with, with, with Final Fantasy 7's combat is it looks really cool. And it wants to look really cool and it wants you to think it looks really cool. And that absolutely works. Like mm-hmm. you give Cloud the baseball bat and you just let him, you just you just go to fucking town <laughs> and and it's great. Like you're staggering left and right, you're getting all these crits, things are just going down and like it's cool. You know, Tifa, Tifa's just a fucking ninja, it's great. You know, you give Barrett the wrecking ball. Like and like this was it Smackdown, and you just mm-hmm. keep watching his AP roll over, and you just keep doing Smackdown. It's great. It looks so cool, and it feels cool. Um, but like again, like with the upgrading weapons, like in the original, you upgraded your weapons, you got a little bit more attack power, but mostly you got better materia slots. Mm-hmm. And in this one, plus attack, plus attack, plus attack, plus attack, plus MP attack, plus you know. Or plus M attack, plus M attack, plus MP, new materia slot. Like, I never felt like they really gave me anything interesting. I never got new verbs. I never got expanded combos, you know. Um, Yeah, I
0: guess they had, like, some little things. Like, there was always the, it was basically, like, a leech life thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't remember what they called it. But they had that, you know, they had just, like, crit. Increase and and just things like that too. But I, I get what you mean. Um, they did have each weapon, it, you can learn an ability, but that takes like literally ten minutes to do. You just equip it, and in a couple battles, you have the new ability. Um, but yeah, no, I get what you mean. I think it was a step in the right direction, but I agree that they could take it further.
5: I feel like it feels like it's borrowing from a lot of different like contemporary RPG systems and just taking the top level of them, like. Mm-hmm. Even the party management, it never really feels like it's never like the AI is never as solid as in Kingdom Hearts, which I doesn't really have Kingdom it doesn't have solid AI to begin with. But when you're watching Barrett with a full AT bar, just like machine gunning into a wall mm-hmm. because there's a turret on the other side of it, mm-hmm. and you're just like my my dude. <laughs> My, my dude that my dude use your fucking abilities and then you yeah. have to switch over <laughs> to him to do it and then cloud goes to does something stupid like walking the other direction from the thing he was attacking because whatever um it really killed momentum in fights for me so like i ended up just like being like okay
0: like, and you have the trigger commands you can do to kind of make it more fluid. That way you don't have to switch over and stuff. But even so, like, I know exactly what you mean. To Like, I like the combat in the game. I really do. I think that for me, like I said at the very beginning, the the solo battles kind of were the shining, like, strategic fun things for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the ai is real bad (laughs) it's really really bad it feels like unless you are playing the characters and building up that atb and like like actively using them they're they're not being used uh in a way that really helps you that much in battle um yeah they'll they'll just kind of attack whatever and it's like when you're controlling cloud you can just you know like whack 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 you know and then you watch him being controlled when you're somebody else, and he's like one swing, and then he stops for like three seconds, and then one swing, and you're like, Bud, what
5: are you doing? That's like I put it on classic just to see what what the AI would do on its own with like all the party members, and like I kept watching everyone walk. Yeah, enemies, and I'm like, like the AI would instantly switch Cloud into predator mode, and I'm like, why are you doing that? The enemy's <laughs> on the other side of the arena.
0: Yeah, yeah, Switched it's it's not intuitive. Roll. Um, it is not intuitive at all. I completely agree with that.
5: But I also thought like the parry system was really boring. Like, um, uh, God, is it the Reno fight when you first when he like he's like you know it's all about like the parry system and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's like okay switch to predator mode, hold down R one, and its fights over in a few minutes. Like, mm. um, it never really required you to like care about timing. Mm and you can't parry multiple things. It's not it doesn't, you know, it borrows the stagger system from Sekiro pretty heavily. Um and really focuses on staggering as that is what you have to do to win the fight. Um but it never gives you like really multiple interesting ways to engage with staggering. It's not like when enemies do this, you're going to need to dodge and do this or you're going to need to parry this or you're going to need to, you know, the Makiri counter. Like you know, where you step on the spear in Sekiro and then stab a dude in the chest. Like, you never do that. It's always just keep casting the elemental weakness or do enough damage from, like, you know, to a weak point. Eventually you get staggered. And now use your limit break.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: You know, one of the great things in Sekiro was when enemies would come at you with, like, six attacks and they would do six fast swings <laughs> and you would sit there and you would have to parry each one. And it felt so good when you nailed it, and it felt bad when you didn't mm. um but like with the, kind of this fight, it's kind of like, okay, you hold on the thing, oh, you parried it, okay, get your attack in, and then go back to you know your your guard stance and it just like eh. it was, yeah, it just it it all just felt so shallow to me, um like I get joking with Austin Walker about it, I was like I called it a dead end because. I don't really see anywhere you really go with this. And, you know, Austin was like, yeah, kids playing in a dead end is a lot more fun than kids playing in an intersection, which, yeah, like, it is fun to play in this combat system. But, like, with so many boss fights, I feel like it really needed to have more systems engagement because... Mm -hmm. Like, it all fell apart for me in the boss fights. Whereas, like, I kept playing the game and I'm like, I want more trash. Because fighting trash in this <laughs> is the first time fighting trash in a JRPG has been cool as shit.
0: <laughs> no, that's, I, I totally get that. I do agree. Like, I, I enjoy, and I think you're saying the same thing. Like, it's enjoyable, but is it compelling? I don't know. Probably not.
2: <laughs> Listening to you, Dia, I, like, felt the same way about the combat. Like, it was really neat. Really nice seeing like all the ember kind of like flutter over was really pretty. Mm -hmm. But at some point like I did start to get bored. So I did my favorite thing to do in games when they give me an unlimited backpack of shit to put shit into is get all of something and my eyes went (laughs) to getting all of the material. That's why I love my boy Chadley. (laughs) Jess I is is this a Chadley
3: stamp podcast? Is this what's happening?
2: I know Jess fucking hates Chadley, but I love Chadley because he gave me the goods. He gave me the shit that I liked. So, like, in one boss fight, I would try, like, oh, let me see if I have a team of all greens. Let's see what happens there. Oh, if I have a team of all purples, let's see what happens there. All yellows, let's fucking do it that's how i made the combo wow
0: that's what i so you What's oh, just so you were committing to like that's a really interesting yeah. way of playing it like committing to like all like abilities or like yeah or all magic okay yeah. that's interesting that's-
2: it was really fun um and having that fucking like no limit backpack it gave me that fucking like idea of just like okay it's starting to make boring these boss fights aren't as like strong as it was like the first 45 minutes of playing into this game what the fuck do i do so I did that, and that's why I spent a lot of time with Chadley. And Chadley's a cool dude. Jess, get to know him. He's neat.
5: Yeah, Chadley's cool. He's
3: neat. Chadley, Chadley worries me because I feel like he's very prescient for like a small child, and like I just don't know where he got. I don't know how he got. I guess so woke, or like what his motivations are for being woke necessarily, and like it just I- kind of feel the woke twink. He feels like a Shinra, he feels like a Shinra plant. Like, I'm, just, I'm sorry, but he feels like a Shinra plant.
2: I'd like <laughs> to think that he came from, like, a higher, a higher up family in the Shinra company. And, like, he sees the bullshit that they saw. And now he's just, like, <laughs> trying to make it better oh, by quietly doing it. I'm Chadley law I want it to be that way so bad, and if he fucking betrays me, I'm going to break this game.
3: Is he friends with is he friends with Mr. Rue 305? Like are they friends? <laughs> is this canon? Does like are Pitbull and Chadley mates now because they all work for Shinra?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the thing the thing with Chadley, it's not that I hate him, I just want to bully him. Yeah.
3: Because what, I, I'm so, it's, it's I'm not what he I'm does sorry. I'm trying to pass that sentence where you just said it's not <laughs> that I hate him. I just want to bully him, and I'm just sitting here, exactly. like literally, I'm that thinking emoji, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is happening right. Now. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. He, I, mm-hmm. why, why, why would anyone wear a monocle in this economy? <laughs> Look, Why would anyone he's
3: wear a like, mask? He's clearly got, like, a bougie background, and bougie people do dumb stuff. Like, let's <laughs> just be real here. You his
2: scarf? His fucking scarf that I thought was, like, a fucking parrot the first two times I saw him? Like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with him. But he gave me that materia. He gave me those, like, fun, uh, like, fights, and that's what made the combat more fun for me. I, I really like him. I like how he's put in there. And then I see him again when I'm in the fucking building. It's nice. He's in a lab coat. Good for him
5: the game actually say (laughs) what the deal with the summons in this is because it's weird that chadley's just sitting there making them in his little vr simulator and then suddenly we're pulling them out in real life
3: it doesn't really explain it because if you get like the fancy version of the game as well like the game just like here's a here's a fucking carbuncle here's this thing and just like throws it out there and cloud's like all right I, i know how to Use these, buddy. Just fucking, let's go. Let's fucking chuck some chuck some wild beasts in this thing and just fucking go ham. Like, it's never really explained yeah. properly. So. summons in
4: Original 7, or the summons in Original 7, basically, just like, there's a spirit in this orb, and I found it, and now this dragon will do what I say.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, mm. I feel like it's always kind of a little, like, I mean, not that the Chadley VR stuff definitely makes it extra weird but i feel yeah. like yeah <laughs> probably...
3: yeah they're like very very relaxed on how they i guess depict the primal slash summons across the various final fantasy games and there's very little consistency if any so i'm just at this point just being, oh like, yeah yeah they just they just make him tron style and fucking vr i guess <laughs> just fucking sticking the <laughs> pokeballs like that's it yeah <laughs> are are the
0: summons in final fantasy 7 remake digimon discuss oh shit oh shit
3: that's a whole other podcast right there Goddamn.
0: <laughs> okay i i'm gonna move us on to the last thing mm-hmm. because the last thing was actually what i thought would probably be talked about uh the most but i'm also looking and we are almost an hour 40 in, <laughs> which is longer than i thought it would be (laughs) but we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh art music and the overall design of the game and jenny i actually i'm gonna throw the like metaphorical like little i don't know like the ball that they throw in like classes sometimes where it's like okay now you (laughs) now you speak uh i'm throwing that to jenny because jenny you really liked the music in the game yeah and you wanted to talk about that. Like, that was something... You said you wanted, like, an outlet to, like, talk about it. So I'm I'm giving that to you oh, right now, and uh, I want to hear what you have to say.
1: I know. <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> All right. So um, I I really enjoy the music in the FF7 remake mainly because, for me, it's, like, I find the original tunes to be very iconic parts of my musical education growing up. Like, uh, I... For those that don't know my... Backstory: story: um, I studied of music when I was growing up, and I actually kind of wanted to be a musician, but my parents are immigrant parents, and they were like, "Fuck no, get a real job." So I could never do that. Um, but essentially, like the music of FF was very formative to my original appreciation of music, like finding out what kind of music I really, really liked. Um, and so it was really interesting for me to have remake, reimagine a lot of the songs that I knew from my childhood um in i guess what you would call like an orchestral adaptation um and and i know a lot of people were unhappy about this uh sort of i guess trend of just people being like oh we're gonna remake a game and we're gonna update it and therefore everything that was polyphonic before now becomes a orchestral track of some kind and that kind of feels very one and done But um, for me, my enjoyment of the music in FF7 Remake comes from the way that it's almost used as a secondary narrative device. Like you'll hear the same theme, uh, three variations of it in particular areas, depending on what's about to happen next. And for me, this was very prevalent um, in the original, I guess, in the character based sections. I actually wrote a pitch about this, (laughs) which I'm just going to read verbatim because I sounded very smart in that pitch, um, and very stupid now. <laughs> but what I was trying to say is that if, uh, if when you first, I guess, meet Aerith, and then you hear Aerith's theme play throughout, when you're getting to know Aerith, you actually hear different variations on Aerith's theme, um, whether or not it's uh, at different volumes, the theme being played at different volumes, uh, the theme being played at different sections, using different instruments in the same orchestral arrangement and you really have these moments whereby the music is used almost as like a layering narrative device like it'll increase in volume when something um, intense might happen or what it will do is you'll use certain instruments like string instruments to denote a more emotional or more emotive use of the theme versus really strong brass instruments to donate something that's i guess more procedural or like to herald something and i feel like the way that they do this in remake the The music is almost used to direct you um, in a way, like when you're doing side quests, uh, if you're like me, you did them all when you got them because you're an idiot. Um, (laughs) If you did them all when you got them, you notice that the music will ebb and flow depending on how far or close you are to a particular quest, objective or person. Um, and there are these little riffs that they have for for quest NPCs. Uh, there are these little riffs that you get when you find enemies, for example. And the volume of the backing track is used to denote how warm or cold you are to what you're meant to be doing next. So the music in FF7 remake, I think people don't think of it. People think of it from a sonic perspective, like a, a very sort of nice, pleasant oral accompaniment to what you're playing. But I think not enough weight is given to its use as a driving force in the plot to help push you along where the game doesn't give you visual clues or dialogue clues. So for me, it's almost like the music was a secondary NPC with different tones of voice, you know, different ways to treat you, different kinds of dialogue. And so I really enjoyed the aspect of how they chose to weave existing themes uh, that we already knew, that fans already knew, and to reinterpret them in, in multiple ways in the same scene. Uh, to, I guess, give you context for the game. So I liked that part of it.
2: That was no, that yeah, really oh. beautiful, Ginny. That
0: was cool. It was, yeah, yeah. Oh.
5: Yeah, I, I really agree with Ginny about the way the music is, like, you know, kind of dynamically deployed in this. Um, I thought that was actually really interesting and well done. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know, man. I just didn't like the orchestrations. I think a lot of it, like,
4: I love how weird and synthy the original soundtrack is mm. and yeah. it's just not that in this game and that's fine you know i don't think it's like bad necessarily but it just didn't do a lot for me outside of like a couple of specific moments
0: the original game for me felt very like almost cyberpunky right like it felt like it borrowed a lot from like akira and it had midgar had sort of that like city vibe to me. It felt like you were in the underbelly of the city and so cut off from nature. And the music was very synthy and and bass heavy and yeah. I loved it. Um and then in this one it feels like and this kind of goes with the overall design. Um and an art of the game and it's kind of why i lumped us all together the slums are not how i pictured them at all um there's a with the the monsters running around and like just how much dirt and how much light you see um i mean because like that's the thing they're supposed to be under metal plates i mean erith even at the end says like i miss the metal sky and i was like what are you talking about <laughs> like you saw yeah. the sun 90 percent of the time like um because but like that was the thing is like in the original it was dark like constantly <laughs> um and the, the sun lamps are supposed to be kind of the artificial light that they get. That's one of the main themes of the game is it's just like this reconnection with nature because these people are so fucking cut off from it. And you don't feel that in this game. And the music kind of, it doesn't feel like that either. The orchestration is like, it's just so pretty. And it's it's so, I don't know, it's, it's processed, yeah, we, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so to me. Well, like. It, it it lost that it lost that feel for me it didn't feel like it tied into like the theme it didn't create the atmosphere that the original one created
4: yeah well i feel like a lot of the stuff in this game is like um good looking in an expensive way and i feel like that extends yes, to the music exactly. too where it's like this like it's well done and it's very like lavish in terms of like production um but it sort of loses some of the
5: stuff that i think made the original soundtrack so compelling the mix is kind of bad too Yeah, it's a really muddy mix. I found like even like, you know, deciding I'm like, okay, I'm going to use like the really nice expensive headphones. And I'm like, no, there's like, no real stereo separation here or anything going on. It's just very compressed and smeary sounding.
4: Yeah, I feel like I got Mm -hmm. that. But I was like watching a lot of stuff on YouTube. So I feel like it's kind of (laughs) inevitable anyway.
0: Um. Yeah, it, it felt a little muddied to me too. I think one of the shining moments of music in that game was when "Under the Rotting Pizza" started because I was like, "Holy shit! Like, yes, this sounds good." Just like that bass riff, the boom,
2: boom, mm. it was
0: so good. Um, and and that was like a a shining moment, but. For the most part, I think that the way it was executed was probably well done, but just overall, it lost a lot of the feeling that the game had for me and the music had for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was kind of a bummer. Uh, God, what was the other thing that I was gonna say relating to? Oh, something that happened um, with the music that I still cannot decide if I like or hate. I'm, I'm like I'm still so on the fence. Um, okay. Is when Barrett is talking on the train uh to the second bombing mission whenever he's kind of uh talking to that shinra guy Mm -hmm. and it gets a little heated the choral music starts playing the north choral music it's called i think the song's called like like little mining town or something like that and that's the music from his hometown that we have not been to we have not heard that's the only time you hear it in the game is when barrett is giving that monologue and i don't know if i like that they're like using that motif for Barrett. It's not even Barrett's theme. It's uh it's literally that song and it's kind of interesting. Um and I don't know if I like it or not.
4: I guess I would I mean like I did not notice that. Um but I guess I would say that like of what you learn about Barrett when you go back to his hometown, the original game, is that he was originally like for the reactor coming to his hometown Mm -hmm. and like relatively supportive of Shinra. I mean he was more like trying to help his community out, Mm -hmm. right? And then through the yeah. course, realized that something really bad was happening. And so maybe the, the music is sort of tipping into, he's trying to, like, address his past compliance, right? With mm. like this person who's, like, mm-hmm. so corporately bound in, right? And I think that speaks to what Ginny was talking about, where the themes are, like, pointed at specific places because they're communicating something really direct about the character.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it's like, I don't know, because we haven't been to Coral yet, and so I was like, I hate... Yeah. I don't know, for people who, who like know the game and know the original, like that's kind of like a cool little thing. But it didn't it almost kinda didn't fit in with the rest of the music that was happening around it. Yeah. So I was like, I, I don't know how I feel about this. Like it was it was kind of a strange choice, I guess.
4: Yeah, well again it, it was on you. Not only like having played Final Fantasy VI, but like having played it recently or being like familiar enough with the soundtrack to be able to catch that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's a weakness this game has in general
0: yeah I don't know. it's interesting i think and and I already kind of talked about it a bit the the art and overall design, and even kind of the way like obviously I don't expect n p c s to like be as detailed as characters like that's just a ridiculous level of like detail (laughs) that would need to be put into a game but it felt to me just very like incoherent um like some of the ways that the npcs were dressed it just looked like they shopped at gap compared to some people who were carrying around weapons and i you know and just the way that the slums were depicted um you know i pictured them very much being you know steel and and city and urban um and it really didn't feel like that when you played this game. It felt a lot more like earthy. Um, which is weird because that's like the opposite of what Midgar is supposed to be.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So I don't know. It was it was interesting for me. I I guess the atmosphere of the game just felt very off in a lot of parts. But at the same time, I thought that the Shinra HQ was perfect. I thought they did a really great job. I love the museum tour. I love the stuff they added with it. I thought it was really cool.
4: Something I thought was really interesting, Austin talked about on the uh, Admiral Mapping spoiler cast, which is a great uh, listen that I would recommend. Um, He talked about how sort of the depiction of poverty in remake resembles like drenched L.A., right? And sort of like urban sprawl, um, which I thought was a really interesting way of like talking about uh, that game. Because because in the original, it's so cramped, it's so crowded, right? And you get the sense of like sort of impending... Like everything is just really, really close to each other. Um, and mm-hmm. there's a lot more space in this game. And I think there's a way mm-hmm. in which you could read that, um, differently. And I think Austin does that really well on that podcast, but I'm not sure how much it like leans into that in an effective way. Like it would be like there's that scene where you turn off the sun lamps, right? Um, mm-hmm. and that could feel a lot more dramatic and powerful if you like knew what that was for other people. Mm-hmm. You know. In the city.
0: well yeah um, that's something that drove me crazy too is because you turn off the sun lamps and then like nothing happens because everyone sees the sun it doesn't feel like you're <laughs> doing anything of consequence yeah. and i thought it was really strange it's it like that was it just like the way that they depicted midgard to me just felt very off i mean it's it kind of is more in line with how they depict it in advent children but advent children also is like years later when like yeah. the plates kind of like not as much of a thing like i'm pretty sure it's like partially i mean it's for sure at least partially removed i don't know it, it just felt weird it felt off um and i think the music kind of contributed to that <sighs> but i do i do completely understand and i agree with what you're saying jenny as far as like the music it's it's more than just background noise maybe it doesn't create like this atmosphere but it does give it gives the game direction mm-hmm. which is very cool
2: For me, I think the music was pretty neat. I think because I don't have a connection to the original, I think it's easier for me to kind of just go with the flow about stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. For sure. The steel environment, now that you say it, would make a lot more sense. Again, yeah, when Aerith fucking said that steel sky shit, I'm like, what? What? Um, It was really (laughs) weird. Those slums do depict, like, you know real slums that do exist like there are slums like in Colombia, that do look like that like they don't use like sh- you know sheet metal but like it is uh, a really good depiction of a very poor town um that's hurt by capitalism and corruption of the state but for this game like yeah it doesn't make much sense to why it's so earthy but back to the soundtrack stuff i fucking love the soundtrack did it make sense in some parts no but when i got into a fucking fight it was the best it was like let's fucking go it's fucking time we gotta do this and it made my like blood pump like it was really Mm -hmm. good and this is coming (laughs) off just like two weeks ago i played fucking streets of rage 4 and that soundtrack's really fucking cool um Mm -hmm. it gave me that same feeling during combat i'm just like this helps the combat with like it being kind of like off and weird but along with like my materia shit and like this fucking soundtrack it's a lot of fucking fun i really enjoy it Mm -hmm. and i'll fucking listen to this on spotify when i'm walking around when i'm allowed to walk around (laughs) again but i (laughs) i really really liked it but i understand where you guys are coming from because you guys are comparing it to the original and can see like where some shit's off um and yeah. it's it's really good knowing that because then like there are some times where i'm just like this doesn't make sense and i'm like okay like now i know why
4: yeah. but i think i mean i think this is a good point though it's just like the final fantasy 7 battle theme just pops like it's it, great so, and so it's real
0: it's good. So good it's real good
4: yeah and so being able to like actually hit something you know <laughs> With a big well that's mm-hmm. going off, and like also the fact that there's like, there's just a lot more music in this than there is in Final Fantasy VII, and I think that does like, help it in that you know, mm-hmm. in that way. Um. Yeah,
2: I I like the soundtrack. It was cool. Um, there are some questionable yeah. songs where I'm like, why, but you know, it's cool. I remember our beginning of the game, they have like Hip Hop Day Chocobo, and that's a funky <laughs> tune. <laughs> and my roommate walked in. It's a bye. Yeah, it's <laughs> my roommate walked in and they're just like laughing like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So there are some questionable tunes, but they're funny. But yeah, I, I, I love the soundtrack.
0: Yeah. No, it's 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 good. I think it's hard because like you always like walk into these games. And like for me, I was like, I'm not going to be that purest asshole. I'm not going to be that purest yeah. asshole. <laughs> but then like there are certain things like the music where you're just like, oh, but like I'm really like that really means something to me. So and, and you kind of you get those feelings there. And so like I'm really happy that a lot of people really love it. I actually I bought the vinyl and I will admit I bought the vinyl um, after I realized that the second disc was entirely the original stuff <laughs> um because I was like, oh, yeah, I want I definitely want the original yeah. stuff. But like I'm still going to listen to the new stuff like I want to hear it, mm. um, you know, like on on my record player and kind of see how that sounds. I'm excited. um But yeah. I don't know. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that everybody seems to be enjoying it, though, that I've, I've seen online. It's neat.
2: I think it's neat. And it's cool. And I want to show my mom this because my mom <laughs> yeah. has watched. Oh, I don't know if, if you guys know. I know Jess knows. But my mom a couple years ago she watched advent children on like hbo or something oh my god <laughs> that's fucking amazing. Like, like,
3: like no context just, nothing, just fucking, nothing oh my god she doesn't know she doesn't know but she, she incredible she loved
2: it she loved it she's in love with cloud so when i would go to cons like i'll take pictures Holy of cloud cosplayers and be like hey it's your man she's like yeah it is oh my god i
1: love your
0: mom um, is my favorite person that's adorable she's crazy um
2: and like i i want my brother to like play this with her because like she's in rhode island i'm here in california and like i know she'll love and understand it because she like doesn't fucking know what's going on (laughs) in advent children she's just like oh pretty guys are just playing each other this is great um so when this came out (laughs) she's not wrong (laughs) yeah so when this came out she was like oh Oh, that's so cool. Oh, I'll see if Josue will play it. And my, my brother is just, he loves League of Legends. He's not going to play it anytime soon, but hopefully
0: <laughs> I can play this with her and she can see it yes, and kind of like get it a
2: little bit of That's
3: more than so, hell
0: yeah. That's so funny. My mom's playing it too, but my mom also loved the original. And this actually reminds me of a tweet um, that Caitlin tweeted. It was actually on private, but it's totally inoffensive and not personal. So I'm, I'm going to say it because it was funny. But it was just like, moms really like <laughs> yeah. Final Fantasy 7.
3: They do! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's. Mom's just out here whiling. It's great. I love it.
0: <laughs> moms love Final Fantasy 7. It's the official game of moms. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody else have anything that they wanted to say? I had a question. Um, yeah. Yes. With me.
2: Not remembering the fucking hour I played of the original when I was, like, fresh in America. Is it going to be too much to get into the original? And I guess this is, like, a broad question for people who might be listening, who mm, played the remake, never played the original. Um because I I do want to see what the original is so different from this one and also, like, understand, like, what Jess is talking about with parallels and stuff. Is it going to be too much? Because it seems like, you know, the Nomura thing of, like, branching out and doing all these things. Um, is it gonna be overwhelming? Is it gonna be like Kingdom Hearts? It's yeah. that's the thing I'm scared about. Yeah. Okay, it no, definitely no, will not, not be yet. like
3: Kingdom Hearts. Like, uh, we're just no. we're like we're just gonna we're just gonna we're just gonna gonna be real with you right now. I think personally, like when I've had mates who have asked me if they should play FF seven um considering how long it's gonna be until we get the next part of the remake i think absolutely play it i think mm-hmm. if you like seven remake you can only improve your understanding by playing seven mm-hmm. and i think that when you actually hit the part two of everything you might even want to fucking go back and play the remake knowing what you know after having experienced seven so i think it will really only
5: add to your experience
0: okay okay I yeah. completely agree with what Jenny said.
5: Seven is honestly shorter than this. Yeah. one if you do everything.
4: Really? Yeah, I think if you if you have a guide, <laughs> then you can. Yeah, it is. definitely get through faster.
0: You can beat seven if you if you know everything like in thirty five hours, probably thirty something like that. Jesus. Okay, cool. Like you you can yeah. spend a lot more time if you want. Yeah. Like you can do all the chocobo breeding. Yes, and, do like, that. It's you fun. can fight. <laughs> It's it is really fun. Um, you can fight all the weapons. Like, there's a lot of side stuff you can do. Um, but you can beat story wise that game in like 35 hours. Cool. Okay, good to know.
4: I played this game for the first time. I played Final Fantasy VII for the first time last year. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm not really. It's weird because I feel like I'm kind of an old head because I'm like grumpy about stuff in the remake. But it's also something (laughs) I played really recently. And to me, like the way that that game feels like still really vital and Mm -hmm. like powerful today and obviously there's stuff that like hasn't aged well and there's like stuff that like they don't change in the remake that i wish they would like barrett's characterization and and Mm -hmm. things like that Mm -hmm. and even even the um certain stuff about the honeybee inn but like Mm -hmm. there's so much about um what that game has to say and how it goes about saying it that i think feels really unique and strange even in uh 2020 so like yeah. yeah like for me it's like it's like an all-time favorite and I would like definitely recommend going into it because I think it works just as much as it did mm. in 1997
0: okay cool. yeah I mean final I and mean, everybody's heard me I said it at the beginning of this podcast like Final Fantasy 7 is the game that made me care about like games like I-, I played games before I played Tiny Toon Adventures on the Super Nintendo I played uh, Ocarina of Time I'm sure before I played um actually wait no I don't remember, but it was around <laughs> the same time. But Final Fantasy Seven um is just so strange oh, oh. and so personal and says such interesting things. And I fell in love like the way that you fall in love with all of the characters in in oh. remake Monty makes me think that you would do the same thing in the original because it's one of those games where it's just like everyone is interesting. Mm-hmm. Like everybody has this like layer to them and it's still it's just such a vital game. I agree with what Grace said. I think it's and, and I agree with what Jenny said. I think that I would only add to your experience. I think you would really like it.
2: Mm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yay. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you. And this isn't
4: to, like, I, I want to, like, emphasize also that, like, canon is bullshit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that, like, I don't think Final Fantasy VII is, like, an essential game to play in sort of this canonical way. And, in fact, the way I yeah. think it's sort of been enshrined in game canon does it a disservice. Um,
0: so, mm. yeah. Okay. Good to know. Thank you. But yeah, I think that's going to do it for us this time. Mm. Uh, Monty, where can people find you? Uh, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at friedmonty. Perfect. And Dia, where can people find you?
5: You can find me at Dia Lacina on Twitter. Uh, That's D-I-A-L-A-C-I-N-A. And weekly on Paste Games. Writing blurbs, baby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. Grace, where can people find you?
4: Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Grace underscore Machine. And they can also find the stuff I write uh, on my blog, which is GraceInTheMachine.com.
0: Awesome. And Ginny, last but not least, where can people find you?
3: Hi, so you can find me at Ginny Wars, That's G-I-N-N-Y-W-O-E-S. Wars because I'm depressed. Um, <laughs> on Twitter and I guess pretty much every other social media platform like Twitch and the other shit like that. And you can read my words on GameSpot and Fanbyte, so um, come read them. Sometimes they're funny, and sometimes they're really dumb.
0: <laughs> Best of both worlds, and a really dumb can be funny. Yeah. So. <laughs> and you can find me at Jessica Oggs on Twitter uh, and Instagram, and basically everywhere uh palin around is a product of uppercut which you can find on all social media at uppercut crit and at uppercut com. if you want to hang out with the uppercut crew you can join our discord and the link as always is in the episode description if you like the show be sure to rate and review it on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts thank you all so much for palin around with us bye
1: (laughs)